guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and scorenorth.com. Oh, no, no, not Mackie and Judd. It is talking Twins time. Zolgad, Jake DePew, who is in Baltimore, Maryland, covering the Twins Orioles series and executive producing the show, as always, is Declan Goff. And um, Jake, you, you went to the game last night. The Orioles' 14-game <laughs> losing streak comes to an end. Their 16-game skid against the Twins in particular comes to an end. Since you're there, where would you like to start here? Like, I mean, and, and I just don't even know at, at this point in time. There's there's certainly talking points, uh, but as a guy who was front and center in the press box last night, do you want to start with Mitch Garver, who took one of the most gruesome, you know, foul balls that you can possibly take? Uh, you pick. Where do we start? <laughs> um, I guess we can start with Garver. Yeah. Uh Man, that, that that looked really bad. Um, you know, based on Baldelli's comments, so he, he was at the hospital last night post-game. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if he is still there, if he if he has to have surgery. I don't know. He what. did have surgery. He, he, he put did have on surgery. his Instagram account that when they did, when they, when they checked into it, they determined that surgery was necessary and he had it immediately. Oh, man. Wow. He's not uh, catching for a long time, as Baldelli said. No, he's definitely not. I mean, he, this is going to be an extended stay for him. And, you know, I think we can all uh, empathize with Garver in this situation, man. This is that's brutal. Uh, I hope he's OK. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it sucks for for him. Obviously, he was doing what he was one of the few twins that had a really good May. You know, it seemed like he was he, he had found his swing uh, after a tough start to the season and, and obviously a, a tough season last year. Um, so, you know, it's just another blow for them. Uh, the injuries are, are piling up as they are for all teams. Uh, you know, Baldelli said last night, that's not an excuse. And, and I agree with that. I mean, that, you know, all, all teams are dealing with these things. Uh, they're really having their depth tested, especially in the outfield. Yeah. They need to get somebody up, you know, to play center field. I mean, you, you, you can't run Kyle Garlick out there. You know, he's, he's, he's not even close to a center fielder. He's a, he's a, he hasn't played center field since college. You know, mm-hmm. he never even played in the minors. Rep mm-hmm. Snyder was doing a, a good job out there. Uh, and then he ran into the wall uh, on uh, what Monday uh, Memorial day in Baltimore. And, and it was kind of funny, you know, like the Orioles put up a little like outline of him and tape. Um, but then it turns out uh, he might be hurt from that uh, because I, he, he, I know they, he's not in the concussion protocol, but they were worried about possibly, you know, some concussion issues. It sounds like he's going to be okay, but, um, his quad is flaring up. So, like, they, they don't have anybody. And you saw Astadio in right field. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he does the best he can out there. Uh, you know, he got a ball hit to him in the gap immediately and uh, and wasn't able to track it down in the first inning last night. It's just I, I don't even – I don't know I don't know where, where to go with this team at, at this point. You know, I mean, like, it's the, as you've said, Judd, there's nothing worse than a bad baseball team, especially a team – that's bad right away, yeah. you know, because it, like sometimes bad teams can make runs for the first couple months of the season, you know, b- before they figure out that they're bad. Uh, and it's fun for a while, you know, like, oh, they're two games out of the wild card or, you know, they're contending for the division and then and then things eventually fall to tracks. But like with this team, it literally started opening day, you know, and it and, and it really hasn't gotten any better. 2016, so. 2016. Yeah. It, it, it's the same. It's the same feel, right? Like it, it I don't, think, I don't think they'll lose 
99 games but but yeah. when you're this but to what you're saying jake when you're this bad from d- day one at this point in time hope is lost like i'm sorry you can't i i don't see how you could possibly attempt to put lipstick on this pig right now there's just no way to mm-hmm. um hey what what is the concern or what was the vibe that you got from the fact that Pineda said that he had stiffness in his forearm? Because that, if for a pitcher, that is ordinarily not a good precursor to what's to come. That uh, that concerns me, not because I thought that he was going to s- somehow magically lead this team uh, back into the race, but because Pineda was a pretty nice trade chip. And if this is forearm tightness, which, as w- we know, lots of times can lead to Tommy John, uh, that's going to take that trade chip right off the table and if you have to if you have to shut him down he's just stuck here yeah so i i wrote a a a notes piece before yesterday's game talking about pineda and how quietly good he's been this year you know going into that start uh last night he had an era under three a whip under one uh, and i basically wrote about him in the context of a he could be the twins lone all-star representative if buxton you know is not playing at that point but but more importantly b uh he could be a significant trade piece you know if he if he was able to keep this up um or, or anything close to this up you know they could get a, a decent package for him if this turns out to be something significant and i you know they downplayed it the way they always do right uh, after the game last night but if this turns out to be something significant that's a big blow to the team not because of their you know any hopes they have for 2021 because i don't think they have any hopes uh but like you said you know the he might bring back more than anybody uh, on that roster, you know, who's other than guys who aren't on expiring contracts. Like, you know, if they wanted to to go down the path of trading, you know, Barrios or Buxton or somebody like that. But uh, if they just want to trade guys whose contracts are up after this year, he he would have brought something back. And, and so hopefully he's okay, you know, for his own personal health, but, but, you know, so that they can get something back for him. But it's concerning. I mean, anytime you hear forearm with a pitcher, yes, it's it concerning. Me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like th- the show has done a good job, and by that I mean I think it's warranted of focusing on the terrible season of Miguel Sano throughout. I mean he's just been terrible, and I know he had the brief hot stretch and the fling where he, he hit well, uh, but it was it was brief, and now he's back to being as as far as I can tell, he adjusted a little bit. It helped him out immediately. Um, he's been adjusted to by opposing pitchers since then, and he has no idea how to adjust back now. So I feel like we've hammered that continually. I want to go to other disappointments, Jake, with you. Um, and I, I want to start here. Four years, 92 million. Josh Donaldson. And I'm just going to give you the month of May. Because in the month of May, he played a lot. So it's not like he was hurt. He played a ton. 28 games, 26 starts, okay? Slash line, 222, 328. 404, three home runs, 15 RBIs, 17 walks, 21 strikeouts. And if you look at between the injury problems that Josh has had and a production like that month of May, this is the cautionary tale of these contracts, right? Because, you know, Josh Donaldson, I was excited about. He's what, 35? Uh, but he looks like, and and I will say this for him. This is not a deal where he's being unprofessional. And this is not a deal where he's not trying hard. He works his ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's a good ball player. That being said, here's my fear. He's simply breaking down. He plays the game hard. Um, I also say that because of this. There were enough plays, or there have been enough plays at third base 
this year that he ordinarily would make that he's not making now. And I just wonder if the way that he has played the game and asserted himself is starting to take a physical toll where he's starting to decline. And my concern there is not so much 2021. It's the fact that there are two years left on this contract after this one. Uh, but I, I think we've given Donaldson a little bit of a pass here, in part because Sano has been so brutal. But there are definitely other names to get into of guys who have been disappointing. And Donaldson, I think, himself would say, if we could talk to him more often, uh, that he's been a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, anytime you know you go into the season as a World Series contender and you're 10 games under 500 in June, there are a lot of names you can talk about. And And yeah, I mean, I don't think Donaldson's at the top of that list, uh, but he's underperformed based on um, what he's being paid. And like you said, he, he, he works his ass off. That's one of the things I love about Donaldson and why I was really excited about that signing initially is because I, I thought, and I still do think, he brings something to the Twins that that clubhouse and that organization needs, which is a guy who just busts. I'm not saying other guys don't, but they just, they have a very relaxed sort of, you know, rest and recovery. Uh, everybody's just going to chill out and, you know, and, and, and relax or whatever. Um, he, he brings the exact opposite of that. He's intense all the time. He wants to win and he plays really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that about him. Um, but yeah, as far as just the numbers, I mean, it, obviously he's been, he hasn't been bad by any means. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, a, a guy that is worth, you know, he's, I don't think he'd get 92 million or anything close to that if he was a free agent right now. Um, you know, I also wonder if, I mean, do you think that, do you think that the, the culture of the twins bothers Donaldson? You know, like, do you, and I know that's a separate conversation from, is he yeah. breaking down because he's 35 and, and that's a fair conversation to have. Um, he's at least been healthy now. And, and again, he's playing like a starter. He's just not playing like um, someone who, uh, who has the contract that he has, but do, do you think that he's, you know, maybe uh, unhappy here, unhappy with, with the culture of the organization's pure speculation. I just wonder based on his personality, Versus the personality of that clubhouse. I would love to say I have a clue, but I don't. Because we, the last time I could tell you anything with any decent guess about this team um, off the field is 2019. And we, Jake, we've talked about this before. The shutdown of the clubhouse because of COVID, which I totally get. Um, I have no idea how the pieces fit now. And so is Donaldson disgruntled with the team disgruntled with himself which is quite possible uh the fact that he got here and got hurt so quickly certainly has to have um caused problems for him personally because you know at first it was the calf and then obviously on his first hit of 2021 it was the hamstring but you know i mean how does he fit with Cruz in that clubhouse to your point that team in 2019, when they were extremely successful up until the playoffs against the Yankees, was very laid back. I mean, you know, including Rocco, uh, live and let live. So I would love to know what the chemistry is like and if it, it's a problem. Because if you came to me and flat out said, I got access and it's a problem, I'd be like, I'm not surprised. But we just don't know. Uh, I do think where I will give Donaldson the benefit of the doubt is I know he's wired extremely tight and and there's a good chance that the laid back nature of this club up to Baldelli might bug him but I also think he's extremely accountable and so my guess total guess here 
is that he is as bothered with himself or more so than elements of the team. Now, if he had been, if he was playing, um, hadn't been hurt at all and was playing pretty well, then I would say it might be a problem. But my guess is, because he's not the type of guy who would sign that contract and then be, be like, hey, I got my contract, I got paid. No. I mean, he's still going to work his butt off. So all of that being said, I would I would guess that internally he is more conflicted about his performance and lack thereof probably than things around him because I don't think I don't think a guy like that's going to get as bothered by his teammates until he's performing and they aren't if that makes sense. Totally. It does. Yeah, and I want I wonder if he's putting a ton of pressure on himself with all these injuries and the team underperforming that he has to be the guy as he's been for winning teams, you know, for for most of his career. Um he might, you know, really feel like he he needs to be the primary, you know, producer in that lineup. Uh and, and maybe that's getting to him, I have no idea. He he looks like he's just a, a tick off at the plate. Like I I don't think I'm not super concerned honestly with Donaldson over the next couple of years in terms of his production at the plate. Like, I still think he's going to be a productive hitter. He looks like he's maybe swinging at a lot of, a lot of pitches outside the zone. Uh, he He's, he's looks like he's chasing a little bit high in the zone. I don't know if the numbers would back that up, but that's just kind of um, based on the eye test. It seems like he's chasing more than he typically does. I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so I, I do think he'll figure it out where I worry more about Donaldson is is whether he'll be able to continue to play at third base over the course of this contract. He, he's played pretty well there. I don't think he has played the gold glove caliber defense that he has in the past. Yes. Uh, and that might be because he's changed his running style and he's protecting his legs. Um, you know, he's been probably average to a little bit above average, but, but nowhere near, um, I guess what I thought we would see when he came over. So like if he has to shift to first base or DH, next year that's going to significantly bring down his value so it, it's i it's i can't rip that contract too much because i was all about it so was I, I thought it was a great signing so um, was I, yeah. but yeah but has it worked out well to this point no definitely not now if he produces in 2022 and and hits a few key home runs in the playoffs and he's the type of guy that produces in the playoffs and the moment's not too big for him then it suddenly becomes a different conversation but right now yeah it, it, it doesn't look great at least he's out there, you know, like I was really worried when he, I mean, it's literally the, the first, the second uh, at bat of the season, you know, yep. his, his first at bat, the second at bat of the team season, uh, <laughs> he pulls up, you know, with the hamstring issue. I wasn't sure if he was going to even be able to play every day. So the fact that he's been out there basically every day since he came back from the IL, that's at least encouraging. It's got to be incredibly stressful for a player to, especially a guy that plays as hard as he does to go into, and it does, it does, feel like this is a factor for Josh as well. You go into every game with the first thought being, how do I not get hurt? Right. Yeah. Like you could tell that those, like he had, I mean, you can see for lack of a better explanation, it looks to me like he now runs from his lower legs. Um, instead of, instead of, you know, striding, he's like running from his knees on down, if that makes sense. But it's got to be a real pain and a real stressor to go into every game thinking, oh, my God, if I do this wrong, I'm going to blow out a, I don't know, a calf in his case or a hamstring or a quad. Um, that's got to play a big role in things, too, because I think that you're right. And I think when, when he's playing third base, you're exactly right. 
you can sort of see the mental process, the the gears grinding of, okay, I'm going to make this play, but I've got to make it this way, as opposed to, I don't care. You know, I'm just going to cut it loose and make the play, or I'm going to hit a ball to the gap and just run. He still is running hard, but you can see the difference, I think, in how he's striding to try and not get hurt. And that has to be a complete pain in the ass if you're a, a player in any sport. And baseball is not a game where, that you can play when you have all these other things going on mentally. You, you know, you can't like when he's reacting at third base, he can't be thinking about how am I going to field this ball in terms of, of, you know, pushing off my legs or, or whatever. Like you need to just react at that position. So the fact that he's forced to think about these things to stay on the field is going to affect his performance to some degree. And, and yeah, you're right. The way he he's running has totally changed. And they've talked about that, you know, and it's also like, it feels like maybe it's a little bit of a ticking time bomb. I mean, I, I hope right. not. But, uh, you know, if he's putting all this pressure on his calves, I mean, his his calves were originally the problem, you know. So it, it just it, – I hope for the for, for Twins fans' sake that he can stay healthy and continue to play third base. But, yeah, I'm sure that's affecting him. Um, it, it, it's – to me, he's, it seems like maybe he'll transition into a DH role, if not next year, at least for the last year. With Cruz gone. Right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because Cruz is going to be gone in the next two months. Right. I mean, there's no way they're keeping him on the roster, um, you know, through this awful season. So um, maybe he plays a little bit there this this season and then next year transitions into more of a first base DH role. So, Jake, how how do we weigh right now with the amount of guys in fairness that this team has out? How do we weigh what the expectations were supposed to be and sort of rightfully so express our disappointment? But to your point, when you're trying to play um, guys in center who have never played there before, in th- the big leagues at least, like, as you said, Garlic played there in college. Uh, Ostadia has to start in right last night. Garver is hurt now. How do we weigh this whole thing? Because it feels like two things are at work here. One is the disappointment of what happened to you guys, right? Colome fails. Sano has been a bust. Kepler underachieves for the most part. Polanco did the same for quite some time. Cruz is now. So those guys were playing or are playing and have disappointed. But you also, you know, Buxton is still out, and I have no idea when he's back. Garver is going to be out for a prolonged period. Kepler now. How how should we how should we I don't know, justify is not, not the right word, but how how do we balance this out between just the flat-out disappointment of those that were expected to do more for the 2021 Twins, which were, by, by the way, supposed to be a playoff team, and the fact that right now they're playing Willie and Zastadio in right field. I mean, that's sort of a joke, but it's unfortunately what they had to do last night when when injuries caused them to adjust their lineup like a half hour before the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I really give them a pass on that. To be honest, um, have injuries played a, a role in their underperforming? Yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, they're they're putting together these patchwork outfields. Um, but you know, IL uh, players on the IL is it's way up throughout the league. The Twins are far from the only team dealing with this, um, and you know, they traded away a bunch of outfield depth that could have really helped them. You know, yeah, they, I, I tweeted about this last night and I, you know, they traded away Lamont Wade Jr. for basically a lottery ticket reliever um, who's in AAA right now. Uh, you, you know, like 
he he would really help this team right now, Lamont Wade Jr. because he can play he can play all three outfield positions. He gives you good at bats. So you know they traded these guys away. They traded others away as well. They let Akil Badu go. Um, so I, I I don't think I do give them a pass. Like their pitching staff has also been very healthy. I mean I know Maeda is dealing with some issues now, um, and now there's concern about Pineda. But up until this point, the pitching staff has been really healthy. It and the bullpen to me is the number one yeah it's a issue. Bond. Yeah, yep. and, and they haven't had any injuries there. You know, that's just been all underperformance. And so if Derek Falvey is going to brand himself as, uh, you know, this pitching guru who can develop, uh, you know, top-line pitching, and, and I, I still think, you know, he, he, he can do that in time, but he hasn't so far, and the signings that he that he made in the offseason ha- haven't worked out at all. I mean, Colome has been terrible. There's just no other way to put it. So, um do I give individual players a pass because they've been injured? Sure. But like the, the team underperformance, no, because every team's dealing with this and, and, and the bullpen hasn't had any injuries. So uh, it, maybe that's being too harsh. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I, I, I just think that's part of the game, right? Well, now. I think you're right about the pitching uh, and the bullpen is a disaster. Like they screwed that up. And, and that's a thing where you can't tell you, you've got to, you've got to have a feel for what you're doing there. Um, and I will say that I had a bit of a fundamental problem with what they did in making as many changes as they, they did. Now I get it. Trevor may left and he got paid by the Mets and he's probably, you know what? I'm probably not going to, to pay him um, what he got paid. So he was going to be gone. But when you start just basically replacing parts, like it's a like you're, you're, you know, doing a reconstruction of your, engine and it's like i'll take this part out put this part in and at some point in time you're like are you doing too too much here which is how i felt i didn't realize it was going to be this big of disaster and i do think the bullpen storyline to me is the hubris of falvey and levine of thinking we're we're going to scrap heap guys all the time and rebuild them because that's how they think like they they looked at robles struggles and my god i mean the man's a walking tightrope but they looked at Robles struggles to me with the Angels last year, and they said, "We'll fix them. We'll get them with Wes. We'll get them with our guys." Guess what? I'm sorry. In my opinion, he's not fixed, and and he damn near again on Monday blew that game. And every time he comes in, he can throw strikes, but he also doesn't throw strikes at, at times. I mean, Colome has been an absolute disaster. I have never seen a man I don't believe in a big league game before bounce a pitch in the grass in front of home plate. Colome did that last night. And it would be funny if it was just a one-off of, all oh, that's that's Alex Colome, but he's got eight saves or ten saves, right? But he didn't. Um, so, yeah, I I think there's just two conversations here. And I think they're both fair to have, but I think they're both pertinent, which is the, the one is the, the missteps that the Twins made in trying to retool too much, bullpen-wise, for sure. And you're right, Jake. That's a huge story. But, I mean, we're now to the point, too, where position player-wise, you can't dismiss that guys have been hurt um, because, like, it now now it's crossed the line to me of being ridiculous. But I think it's both things, and I think both conversations are, are fair. Um, but bullpens became vitally important, like vitally important, what, Jake, in the last 10 to 15 years? Like, it went from, well, he's a failed starter, but we're, we're going to put him in, in the bullpen to – I'll go back to the the Royals teams that went to the World Series had basically three huge arms. Like 
they, they would go closer, closer, closer. And at that point in time, we all said, whoa, th- th- this is going to be a new trend. And it's fun to watch. Um, and again, the Twins just the last two years and to their to their uh, good fortune, it worked in 2020. The last two years or so that they've just sort of brought guys in piecemeal with this whole we'll rebuild them, you know, we'll fix them. Um, and in 2020, they largely did that. And in 2021, it's blown up. But I think both conversations are extremely fair. So they deserve to be bashed on some things. Their fortune has been off the charts bad. And I'll throw a third thing in too. Let's call this the state of Rocco, okay? If we would have a conversation about the state of Rocco, I think we are learning that when things are going well and everybody can be chilled and laid back, Rocco's really good. Uh, but when it take but when it comes to pulling puppet strings and like, oh my God, things are going incredibly wrong here. What are you going to do? And I mean, he's a, a young guy. So he's not like a veteran guy who's been around uh life or baseball for a long, long time. What he's going on 40, I think, at this point, something like that. Um I don't know that he's the best guy to do this. And and look, I, I get it. There's a lot of guys in his position that would struggle. So I'm not trying to say that he's the only one, but it does seem like in the post game stuff that there's a lot of times where he just doesn't, you know, he's just like sort of lost there. Don't totally blame him, but I'd also like to see him grab the situation by the throat a little bit more sometimes. And I don't think that we've seen that. Yeah. I mean, his, he sticks with his approach and his approach, like you said, it, it it's worked really well. And, it, it, you know, up until this year, um, the problem with that approach, fairly or unfairly, is that <laughs> when the train is going off the tracks and you're continuing to just kind of, right. you know, keep everything really steady and calm, it makes you seem like, and I don't think this is true, I, I'm certain this is not true, but it makes it seem like you almost don't know what's going on or you're like a little bit checked out. You know, like when you continue to say, you know, we just, everything's good. And, and you defend your, your players at, you know, ad nauseum, even when uh, they're, they're playing terribly, it, it makes you seem like you're out of touch um, or that you're not facing reality. Again, I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure behind the scenes, he's super frustrated, uh, but it's, yeah, it's like, you know, when, when you're winning 101 games, it's like rock, Rocco is the perfect manager. Like he's great. He's, he keeps everything calm. You know, he doesn't get too fired up after wins. He, he doesn't get too upset after losses. Um, but a season like this, I don't know. I, I think a lot of fans would like to see a little bit more fire and a little bit more like, this is unacceptable. You know, we can't, we can't continue to play like this. Um, he's just not going to do that. That's just not his style, but um, and I would, you know, I certainly wouldn't fire Rocco. I think he's, a, he's no, still a good no, manager. No. Yeah. Yeah. But totally with you, but I do think it, it just, his personality, it comes off poorly when things are going really badly. So it's I a, don't go ahead. Oh, so I, I don't need to see more, uh, gear towards us. Like if he, if he wants to come out and defend guys, I, I might disagree at times, uh, but Rocco is Rocco. So like the guy that we see is him. I mean, he might be a little bit more fiery at times, but I mean, he is a, his life is sort of predicated on live and let live and expect guys, tell them what you expect and they'll do it. Um, so if this was a situation where I felt that there was something different and, and it's not even getting mad at this point, because it's probably past that. 
it's the ability to manage a crisis and like identify it and be like, okay, this is what we have to do at least. And I, Jake, I don't know that, that this, that Rocco or the front office for this team is built for that. Like they are very, they're very smart people and they think things through and they have to your point, And I think this extends beyond Rocco. They have their definite beliefs in things of this is what's going to succeed long-term. So this is the long play. Um, but I don't know if they have the ability to pull the fire alarm when they see a smoldering fire. Like, I think they're just like, it'll put itself out. It'll be okay. And now the whole building's burning up and it's too late. And so that, that's the one thing. And again, the fact that we don't have more access makes it difficult. Uh, but I don't need Rocco to put on a show for me. I just don't think there's much going on behind the scenes where things are different. And, and that does not, I just want to be clear. I'm not asking for a buffet table to be flipped here or him to start to scream and, and yell one. That's not him. And two, I don't think that's going to help. Um, but there was a point in time here a while back where I, I wanted to see, I guess the best word, I wanted to see a personality of urgency because like you've said, and Phil said, and you're a hundred percent right. It doesn't take long into a season that's going wrong to say we're basically cooked. Like you don't have till June and this whole, you know, I'll go back to the whole, well, keep in mind the Washington nationals, what they did, that's not going to happen here. Okay. So all of that being said, I, I would have liked to seen what I felt was more urgency. And I don't think he's got that, that gear. I just don't think he does. It's a, I mean, it's a fair critique for sure. I, I think in terms of to use, the language that you use at Mackie and Judd, my pipe chart of blame, you know, I, I thought Rocco mismanaged a few games earlier in the season for sure. And, and we criticized him for that on this podcast, but I, I really think this is on the front office. I mean, the, the, the pitching that they brought, look who they brought in for 2021, Hansel Robles, Alex Gallimay, Jay Happ, Matt Shoemaker. Oh, Shoemaker. They've all been bad. I mean, Robles has been okay. Gallimay has been, been terrible. Um, happen and Shoemaker have ERAs over five. I mean, like they brought these guys in to to compete for a World Series, and they're basically unused. I mean, Hap is still usable, but like they're they haven't performed well at all. You know, so like this is a clear misevaluation of yeah. of talent from the front office. And again, where are the prospects? Like, I, and 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 that that's maybe a you know an unfair question because. There are, you know, guys like Matt Canarino, uh, Josh Winder, Duran, Belzovic. Those guys are coming up. Yep. But but still, it, it's year five, and, and they haven't developed a, a single starter. You know, other, uh, you know, I, I guess you could throw Dobnik um, into that conversation. But um, but uh, you know, so so to me, like, yes, Rocco mismanaged a few games early in the year, but like this is on the front office, it, it, in my opinion, like it just, it sure. really is. but I guess my point or my question is this. Okay. So there, there are, things are going to go wrong sometimes. Like it's baseball. They ju ju just do. Now in this case, they've gone drastically wrong, but I guess my question is in, in the future, like let's say next year they come back and they're better, but things start to go wrong who's prepared to, or has the ability to stop the bleeding? Cause like that, that's another part of my problem this year. It felt like when things were going wrong, the twins just sort of didn't have a plan for it. Like, I mean, it's baseball. Like 
2019 is not the norm. Like that was a totally out of the norm and it was great fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it, but that was not the norm. 2020, it was a 60 game season. Now they did go through some struggles because I, I recall there was a loss of target field where they called a closed door clubhouse meeting right after that Rocco did, which was, I guess, a good thing to do. But like, I didn't see any sign. There's so many like troublesome things this year. And one is, I don't know that from Falvey to uh, uh, to Levine to Rocco, like who stops the bleeding temporarily, at least? Like who's got the tourniquet here to to give yourself a chance? Because like this thing felt like a runaway train from the day that Colome on opening day threw the ball to the wrong base. And I mean, un- unless you, you think I'm wrong, who since then have you felt like, you know what, they sort of got this. And I know they've won some games, but ladies and gentlemen, they're beating Baltimore. Like they beat Baltimore a bunch. Okay. Don't, don't give me that. And you know, Bally sports North is going to say they've won eight of 11 or they beat Baltimore and Kansas city and they lost two or three to them. So as with the playoff losses, Jake, all I want is a sign that you're learning from what's gone wrong. And I ain't seeing that. And these are smart people. I'd like to see that. I would have liked to see Brios be extended in the Astros playoff game last year or Maeda. Um, now I would like to see a sign that somebody can step in. And I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to win a ton of games and change things, but this has felt like, as I said, a runaway train for a long time now. Like, what are we learning here? So to me, if they truly believed still in this team and still thought they could make a run, they would make a trade for a reliever or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, they would do something to fix the bullpen Um, because the, the, the bullpen is so bad and it's cost them so many games at this point that if you want to get back in contention, you have to fix it right away. Like, and maybe that's gambling on a couple of prospects that you feel like aren't quite ready, but they can, you know, a guy, maybe you bring up a guy like Josh Winder uh, or, or Canarino, um, they're starters, but you put them in the bullpen. Maybe you move Shoemaker to the bullpen and see if he can tick up his velocity. You do something, right? Like they haven't done anything. The yeah. only changes they've made in the bullpen have been at the, you know, the, the, the kind of quad A guys bring up, you know, Luke Farrell and Manai. Like th- that's not going to right the ship, you know? So like the fact that they haven't really done anything to, 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 to fix it tells me that the front office no longer believes in this team because you can't keep just trotting these same guys out there who've been struggling all year and expect different results. You know, we're, we're, the sample size is large enough now that we know what we're, what we're seeing and what we're getting. Um, so I, I think they've just, they would never say this, but I think they're basically resigned to, to just, this is a lost season. They drastically underperformed uh, and they're going to try to restock the farm system for, for 2022. The, the big question in my mind now is do they view this as a three-year rebuild or a one-year retool? And I know we, we hit on that a little bit last week, but, um, you know, it, that's where the decision comes. Do you want to try to trade Buxton and, and Barrios? Because if you're not going to extend those guys and you don't believe that you have a World Series contender in 2022, you trade them, you know? Um, and so I think that's really the, the big narrative over the next couple of months leading into the trade deadline. It's like, is this going to be a long rebuild or is this going to be you know, do they still have this sense of the window is still open and we can still make a run in 2022? So in your mind, as a guy who follows um, the Twins farm system, how much is coming up that can help quickly? 
Because that that would be my question as that would be the question that I would have for them as far as the length, because they're an older team right now with guys who are going to be replaceable. If you have if you have guys that are prepared to pop, it doesn't have to be a three year rebuild, um, especially if some of the young pitching, which is not here yet, but we've talked about can come up. So my question to you is, what's your thoughts on the immediate help that can be provided from the farm system beginning next season. I actually think there is a lot coming, but the the problem is because of the, because of 2020 being the last season, it's really hard to gauge where, where these guys are at, you know, but, but I do think Belzovic and and Duran are legit top 100 prospects and should be based on their, you know, how how these types of guys project, they should be, um, you know, rotation anchors. I'm not saying they're going to be aces, but they should be solid rotation guys. Ken Reno's another guy that I would be really excited about, and and Josh Winder. I think those guys are all um, legitimate MLB starters, or at least ha- have the potential to be. Uh-huh. But but we just don't know because because of the lost season and because of injuries. You know, Duran is back now, uh, and he's throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh, so that's obviously a good sign. Balzovic is not back yet. Uh, Winder and Ken Reno have been good. Cole Sands is another guy who's maybe more of a number four, number five type. Uh, but but there is there's there's help on the way, or you know there's there's reason to be excited about their prospects. But we've said that about other guys who haven't panned out. You know we were having these same conversations about Fernando Romero and Steven Gonzalez, and now neither of those guys are in even in the league. I think I think Gonzalez is at AAA and and Romero's in Japan. Um, so like it's it I I, I I don't know what their internal evaluations say of course um based on what i've seen i would be excited especially about duran and, and Belzovic. i think both of those guys have a lot of i mean duran throws 100 you know a legit 100 um and and has big strikeout numbers and doesn't have huge control issues i, I think he's a legitimate guy so like if you want to view the glass half full the, the zolgadian glass half full view, you know i always do always always in my bottle of water it's always half full yes <laughs> that actually barely got a drop left <laughs> then just like the, the twin season, um, then, you know, if you want to view it from that perspective, you could say, hold on to Barrios, you know, uh, because you've got Duran and Balzovic and potentially Winder and, and Canarino in that rotation next year. Maybe you sign one veteran starter um, and, and, you know, but, but then you're relying on a lot of rookies to, right. to carry you to the playoffs. So they've got a big decision to make uh, in terms of, of, what the next three years look like uh, because their whole philosophy, I said this before, I think their whole philosophy is to never really go all in, but just to remain consistently competitive. Um, and now for the first time in their tenure, that hasn't, that hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we're always good, nobody will notice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is the yeah. first year where everything's really gone wrong. Like 2018 was not a good year, but they ended up finishing around 500, you know, um, but this is the first year where it's just been like a 2016, 2011 type of train wreck. And so now they, they have to reset for the first time since they've taken over and, and decide whether whether they can continue to remain consistently good or slash decent or whether they really have to start this whole rebuild. Absolutely. Last thing, Camden Yards, your thoughts. Man, I love Camden Yards. I, 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 I do too. Yeah, you've been there? I've been there a few times. I love yeah. it. It's a great ballpark. Yeah. So I was really, I, I knew, I mean, I had heard good things, um, but that ballpark, it, it's top five for me or t- top 10 for sure. I, I tweeted out my top 10. I don't remember where I put Camden. It was like five or six. It's like one tick below PNC and target field for me. 
but it's a beautiful ballpark. You, you know, you've you've got the, the warehouse or whatever out in right field, uh, yes. the great skyline. Um, and, you know, just selfishly, I know fans won't care about this, but the press box is like really close to the field. Um, it's just a cool, it, it was a good atmosphere. I mean, the, there was only like 5,000 people there last night, but, uh, but I will say the 5,000 people uh, got into it and, and, and yeah, I, I, I liked it. I think in terms of, it's weird to say it's a modern ballpark, but like I put Fenway and Wrigley in kind of a class of their own and then everything yeah. else I consider modern, uh, maybe Dodger Stadium is, um, is a classic, but um, it, it, it's, it's right up there. I, what do you guys think? What, what, give me your, I don't know if we have time, but real quick, give me your like top three modern ballparks. You know, so I, I've never been to PNC and, and I've not been to San Fran and I'm told both of them are outstanding. Um, yes. But I would put, Ooh, you know what? Camden might be my favorite um in in this sense it was the first of the it was the first of the new old ballparks um i love everything about it like it just has that old school feel it's sort of grimy but it's not dirty if that makes sense yeah um i would say my top three ballparks excluding wrigley and finway and dodger stadium since you're probably right they belong in a different um in a different category listing uh camden Target Field, which is magnificent, and then I, you, you know what? I really liked Philadelphia. Well, I it was wide that. open. You could walk around. Uh, the the new Bush Stadium I didn't like. Too closed off. Like no ballpark now should be closed off. Um, Coors Field is gorgeous. Coors Field is great, but I probably liked. I'm I'm biased towards East Coast ballparks as well. I think. I'd probably go. I'd probably go Camden Target Field, which is fantastic, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah, and Philadelphia. Dex, how, how about you? I've been to AT and T Park in San Fran for like what used is it? Is it AT and T Park? I went there. It doesn't in matter. Like, I don't know what it is. I that, have no idea what it that's is. That's my anymore. number one, though. That's my number one. I I've went been told there in like 2007, so it was a okay. long time ago. I was a, I was a teenager, but um, but I loved it. It was an amazing ballpark, and to be honest. Not a big fan of the city of San Francisco. I hated the city, to be completely honest. As a thirteen-year-old, really? so I might, what? I might appreciate oh, it 13. now. Wow. Yeah, I was thirteen. I think, like, you know, I think you'd like it now. Cornery, yeah. dumb little snot-nosed. Oh teenager. no, the bars are great. No, uh, but I loved the ballpark. Obviously, I love yeah. the ballpark. So I, I, that's the only one I really have been to. I've been to that in Wrigley and Miller Park. So like that's it. That's all my ballpark tours under me. So um, I would say AT and T Park. And yeah, I don't include Miller Park. I don't include. I don't. I, I'm going to Terminal Two tomorrow. I, I don't. I don't do airport hangers for baseball. So. <laughs> exactly pittsburgh uh pittsburgh i'd love to see pittsburgh pnc looks unbelievably cool. yeah it was i was there for i covered two games for score last year during the pandemic which is obviously super weird but that ballpark is is gorgeous with the bridge press box is way up there though right way up there yeah. like way at the top so yeah yeah all right jake depew thank you much and we'll we'll talk to you next week enjoy uh twins orioles game three between two bad baseball teams all right thanks guys i appreciate oh, it yeah He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.